Welcome to episode number 133 of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I speak with Shimon Ben-David, CTO of Weka.io. And as Weka.io's CTO, Shimon actively engages with customers and partners to track emerging trends and to bring actionable feedback to engineering and product management in addition to running the CTO Office Solutions Group. In his nearly eight years at Weka, he has had leadership roles in both support and sales engineering. And prior to joining Weka, he ran support services for Primary Data, Extreme IO, and IBM. And in this episode, we discuss some of the storage challenges posed by modern applications that leverage cloud today, his views on artificial intelligence, and the best way to deal with unstructured data. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Shimon. How are you? Doing great. Glad to be here. Thank you. I, I know I am excited to, to have you on because I am uh, really curious to hear about the insight that you have around containerized workloads and also artificial intelligence, et cetera. So uh, why don't you start us off just by giving us maybe a quick rundown of yourself and also Weka? Great, gladly. So my name is Shimon Ben-David. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Weka. Weka is actually a modern data platform for AI workloads. Um, it's, it's cloud native, it's running on-prem and in the cloud. It's actually about to become multi-cloud, multi which is very exciting. My experience here is I'm in the company for the last seven and a half years. It's really, it's really funny seeing the company grow from being a few people in an apartment uh, in Israel to coming over to the US six years ago and opening our US office. And we're more than 200 people now. So that's, that's amazing. Before Weka, actually have a lot of uh, rich storage experience with other storage companies. Um, one of the most notable ones are, is XAV, which also uh, we started in Israel in the past and it was sold to IBM in 2007. Right, I remember that. And that's actually with the same, the interesting part is that it's with the same core group of founders. So the same founders of Weka and actually a lot of the engineering team were the, the team that started XAV and enabled that also to break through and because it's it's such a hard challenge to to create these systems and frankly having the forte to do it was was important the first thing that's on my mind is maybe us taking a step back and just discussing some of the storage challenges that organizations are are posed with um, especially when you're dealing with modern applications that leverage uh, the cloud so along those lines, why do you think it's important, especially for some of our listeners that are out there right now, uh, for them to be aware of some of the storage challenges that they're having and, and also um, maybe a recommendation on how they should address those? That, that's a great uh, topic. So we see modern environments evolving to, to something that's completely new than what they were before. I think one of the things that we're seeing is the movement from HPC environments to enterprise and commercial HPC. So one thing that is becoming more and more dominant 
uh, especially with the new AI ML workloads with high, high performance analytics, is that uh, workloads that in the past were the domain of HPCs, supercomputing centers or national labs or universities uh, that used to accumulate massive amounts of data and then run uh, long-term simulations and, and analytics on these environments, weather modeling um, and more, is now moving to the enterprise. So suddenly it's not uncommon to see multiple enterprise environments that has massive amounts of data, multiple petabytes of data going to the exabytes. So suddenly enterprises are encountering the problem of how do I manage, how do I enable that entire pipeline of acquiring the data and analyzing it and saving it and backing it up uh, in a repeatable way. So that's a completely different challenge than what they encountered up until now. Uh, additionally, on top of that, there's all of the new cloud infrastructure um, that enables customers to take smarter decisions and to be actually more agile. Um, so if I'm now accumulating massive amounts of data, now I can choose to have that data located in one place, in multiple locations. I can burst uh, out in, uh, and frankly, I can use the backup as uh, DR as well. So the cloud actually simplifies, but also complicates it. And, and I'll, I'll say another thing, we see DevOps, and I imagine we'll talk more about that because that's a hot topic. We see DevOps as, as one of the key uh, ingredients here because in, in modern environments, in modern data platforms, again, and it could be in financials, it could be in HPC, it could be in life science, and it could be in, in, in any environment, there's no more let's try to do things manually. Uh, everything should be automated. Um, data as, as a service, the, uh, hardware as a code or code as, as a service. So you, you need to automate everything from day one and make it efficient. So that's a huge challenge. Because again, we're talking about a lot of data in the modern environments. What we see more is that uh, another cause for the problem is that m the world is you know, is very connected now. So if I'm an investment bank, uh, I'm now taking an investment decision. In the past, I, would, I used to have my um, credits, my, my personal information of my customers, and then I would take some decisions according to that. Today, modern environments accumulate data from multiple sources, from multiple data from providers. Even looking at uh, Facebook and Instagram and all of these uh, social networks to take an investment decision or a risk decision. And one thing that is more and more dominant is that all of that data is now uh, coming from multiple sources and you cannot push it into a single data schema. So in the past, a lot of that data was being pushed into data warehousing environments and you could compress it and, and analyze it that way. But now, because I'm now, we're seeing organization gather data from multiple different sources and each data source has their own structure, their own schema, suddenly you don't control it. So now you have an, a sprawling data lake and uns of unstructured data that you need to manage and work with. Okay. Yeah. A, a lot of interesting points that you brought up there. You, you mentioned DevOps and automating uh, workloads and automating just literally all of the, the, the little tasks that, you know, engineers and administrators uh, have to do on a day-to-day -day basis just to you know to make things more efficient um, and plus we're we're in this digital world right now and, and COVID has truly changed the way that um, everyone looks at work also uh, life 
right? The, the amount of time that we spend at home, uh, how we're working, when we're working, the merge of the office versus being being in the office. Yeah, those are very important points. And one thing that I wanted to ask you as well, um, how do you keep or what recommendations do you have for maybe a, a, a chief information security officer or maybe a CIO or anyone that's interested in going to the cloud or running their workloads in the cloud, but they're still a little leery of the security of the cloud? That's a, a very hot topic. So it really depends, I think, on the stage of the company that you're in. Different and definitely the market that you're in, because one could claim, and, and we see that, that some of the cloud environments have much better security than day one, day two companies. So I have a lot of friends, they're starting a startup. Obviously, they're not going to invest all of their attention on security, even though that these startups can, can manipulate and work on data that is uh, personal information, that is high risk, that shouldn't click into uh, unfriendly hands. So definitely different stages of companies would would actually benefit from the security of going to a certified cloud environment having said that there's um, the democratization of data where data is available from multiple sources and you need to to obfuscate it in order to share it that's also facilitated a lot by the cloud we see that but i would say that there are more advanced security questions um, like encryption. Do you want to encrypt your data? The cloud offers you uh, a method or most of the cloud environments offer you a way, a method to encrypt your data. But um, who do you trust? Do you trust the cloud to encrypt your data? Do you want to encrypt the data and send it encrypted? When you encrypt it, where is the encryption authority? Does the cloud own it? Do you own it? So there's a lot of these little questions that you can ask yourself. And, and again, I, what we see is that different customers would have different answers. For example, we're working with several large government entities and these government entities have their own security on top of the cloud security. And sometimes some of the clouds would accommodate for secure clouds specifically for them. So I, th I think if I'm summarizing it, I don't see uh, the cloud as a big security risk. I think that it's always a... How do you manage the risk? How do you identify what you as a customer need? And how do you get it from your cloud vendor? Right. And, you know, one, one thing that, that we like to say, um, just in, in my new role as a director of technical evangelism, th there is a shared responsibility model that most cloud providers have, and especially SaaS companies, is that as a customer, you're responsible for your data. Right. So you are responsible for making sure that you have the right permissions set, uh, make sure your buckets are secure and that you don't have too much pr um, privilege and permissions and giving too much access. Uh, and the cloud provider is responsible for locking down uh, things like the, the infrastructure that that everything is running on um, and just kind of the nuts and bolts of compute and the storage and the network that everything is uh, actually utilizing. Definitely, that's a great point because uh, some of the uh, missed perception in security is physical security. We all think about data security, but eventually security is down to who's allowed to enter your data center, who's allowed to open your, the cage where your servers are. So that's important as well. And cloud providers do handle that. Absolutely. And just along the same thread of automation and, and DevOps, 
to to me uh the next wave is artificial intelligence and and machine learning you know people have been talking about it for what the last 10 years now and Elon Musk even sent a tweet out to say that you know robots are going to kill us and take over the world etc um and he caused a nice a nice uproar uh with with those statements but I think he retracted them later how how do you view artificial intelligence especially when it deals with uh i guess in the frame of data management and data analytics and also maybe the innovation aspect of it uh when it comes to uh someone trying to kind of automate uh their processes so ai artificial intelligence is a very loaded subject it's amazing because uh some of the topics that you mention and everybody always mentioned the uh asimov books with all of the three laws that are going to save humanity but putting that aside for a second and 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 assuming that we're not uh talking about killer robots ai is actually a secret weapon i would say not weapon uh in the destructive uh sense but a secret um tool that a lot of organizations are now deploying we actually did a survey um for 512 organizations to see what ai environments uh they're, they're planning to what ai initiatives they're actually planning for and we actually saw that each organization had at least one ai initiative because eventually if you look at the promise of ai ai takes you uh years forward in what in your capabilities as an organization ai would allow you to uh ingest and analyze and eventually get to an insight uh years before what you could have done yourself just by self learning and we can talk about how that's being done but uh it's so it's a secret tool that a lot of organization are using uh what what was interesting to see in that survey that we did and we actually it's published uh, everybody can see it uh is that there is no one market that doesn't utilize ai for multiple initiatives from obviously the government to uh academia to um media and entertainment even in coding movies is utilizing ai life science environments so there's the the burst of of ai in many environments and then there's the what ai brings with it what does it require so um the requirements of ai is obviously to have massive amounts of data because the the way ai works is by going over massive amounts of data and learning uh pattern so eventually learning um, identifying trends identifying um neck depend on the the ai uh system and and now you need to to implement that ai environment and you need to now facilitate for it the the one thing i always tell customers is if you don't have an ai project probably all of your competitors have it you better start thinking about how you can benefit from it. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense and it's almost like the if you go back to when blockbusters were were actually uh renting physical videos and Netflix came along and said, "Hey, we have this hot new cool way of delivering videos." I think initially they were mailing Blu-ray devices. And it's been so long ago, I'm I'm almost forgetting exactly what Netflix started out with because it's completely streaming platform now um but i heard that or it's been said that blockbusters actually turned them down and thought that they were crazy so now who's crazy right blockbusters is i think maybe there's one more store that that's around that um is kind of a museum that people still go to but 
uh, is really interesting. So I, I, I agree with your statement. That's the price of not innovating. Correct. If you, if you don't explore, if you don't go forward, if you stay with the known environment, uh, you will become that. I wanted to say a few more things about AI mm -hmm. because it's, we were seeing it every day. The challenges of AI are, are immense. So first of all, there's the challenge of accumulating the data to make to have something that is will make sense to to go over, right? right? To get to a, um, there's the concept of data is source code. The more data, the better your model will be. Uh, and then there's the DevOps around it because one of the main challenges of AI is how do you create the environment around it? How do you uh, bring up your, your distributed training, your distributed uh, inferencing environments? How do you uh, create new models? How do you create predictable AI? That That's a big thing. How can I create an AI environment that I can predictably uh, say it's better or worse than my previous environments? How can I repeat experiments? How can I, now I have a data lake. I don't know, my AI model went over a few millions of images. Um, how do I know which images uh, it went over? How do I back up these images so I can create the same model again? So there's massive challenges in these in this AI environments. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a whole nother podcast episode. We could probably spend, you know, an hour uh, just going over uh, AI and the opportunity that it's presenting. Um, the, the scary side of it, as well as the amazing side that, you know, what it can do as far as innovation is concerned. Now, I'm just going to kind of throw this in there as well, and I'm not sure if it's a good question or not, but we're, we're talking about cutting-edge technology. What, what are your thoughts on, on blockchain and um, cryptocurrency? Do you see any use for, for that technology, maybe in the storage world or the backup and recovery world? So I think that's, that's a question that comes every, every so often. Um, there, there's the cryptocurrency and there's the blockchain. Even though it's uh, utilizing the same technology, these are two different separate things. Um, you know, I can make my claims on uh, cryptocurrency and uh, and be wrong or right. You know, some millionaires are self-proclaimed millionaires from crypto. I think if you, I think as a person, you should ask yourself, what am I willing to risk when I'm going to cryptocurrency? Right? Uh, do I know who control the market? Does it matter for me for if I know who control the market? That that's cryptocurrency as, as a topic right and there's right, man, right. many topics many discussions around it um blockchain ledger-based environments uh definitely have a use case um definitely are already being utilized for mostly for security environments uh, i didn't see storage environments that utilize blockchain i think that as we see compute evolve things might occur because currently blockchain is, is very heavy in computation. So that really doesn't enable storage environments that needs to be fast, low latency and inefficient. But it could down the road enable backup environments. Yeah, yeah, I, I know of a few that uh, they have a blockchain ledger based technology on the back end and it's dealing with security and the accuracy of the data It's, it's from that perspective. Um, I, I can't speak of the names of those companies right now, but I, I do know a couple that are moving in that direction and, and, and already have, and I think one is even open source, um, where they actually leverage different platforms that cryptocurrencies are running off of. And there's probably hundreds of cryptocurrencies out there. Maybe let's switch a little bit now just to uh, data protection overall. And, you know, one thing that I've seen in my last 20 years just uh, from 
managing on-premises systems and also systems that are running in the cloud now is that a lot of companies are, you know, they have a lot of data uh, and they have, you know, recovery time objectives and recovery point objectives and they're, they're going on day to day to day, but they still have bad data protection habits. What recommendations do you have for the gumbo listeners around maybe increasing or understanding good data protection habits? Do you have recommendations around that? De- definitely. And I think what I want to focus on is you mentioned a few things here, cloud data protection. Um, we talked also a bit about AI and, and data lakes. So we, we see data lakes and data lakes also in the cloud as, as a growing pattern. So suddenly what was a good backup environment for the old world data suddenly doesn't cut it anymore because if I had some sort of database and I backed it up or if I had some uh, filer or unstructured data environment and I backed it up, that that was all well and nice. But now when I'm going to the the capacities that we're seeing and definitely when I need to move data um, between different locations, uh, and, and there's another topic that we didn't discuss, but is immensely important, uh, SaaS, software as a service. So the cloud environment, one of the neat things is that you can just start working on the cloud. You don't, I, I'll give you an example. I have a friend, they have a startup. Uh, he didn't want to invest time on, on building infrastructure. He, he got some money. He needs to prove value in a very short amount of time. He didn't want to waste that time on be, on hiring DB admins, IT admins. He wanted to start and prove his point. So being able to start as a SaaS in, in a SaaS environment really allowed him to be agile. The problem, going back to your initial question, the problem is that suddenly as, as, an, as an admin, because maybe on day two you do have admins, you do have structured IT uh, with processes, security, and, and backup, suddenly I, I don't own all of the data. Suddenly... Um, some of my data is data that I need to back up in my legacy world. Some of the data is a SaaS data. I, I'm, I'm not backing up data. I'm backing up applications. Maybe I don't even know how I'm backing up this application. I'm just asking the cloud provider uh, to back up the application. So I need to, to be aware whether it's single region, multiple region. Uh, do I have a DR? Or do I have only a backup? You mentioned RPO and RTO. So, so taking all of that, I think new world backup is completely different. I will add that what we're seeing is that because of the massive amounts of data and now the fact that you need to back up data lakes, that's a hard challenge. Um, one, one obviously good advice that I think I can recommend is invest in an environment that can self-backup, self-move the data. When you talk about backup, you want to, to choose. Do I want to be able to recover a single file or an entire file system or the entire thing in case of a crash and burn of the environment, of the region, of the data center. So having the ability to say, hey, my storage environment can move the data around uh, and, and create backups and DR in an efficient way is huge because trying to backup multi-petabyte environments using data movers or using backup software is a problem. Uh, having the environment do it for you is, is one of the solutions, and it's a very efficient solution. Okay. Yeah, I am great. I mean, I'm glad that you you brought up SaaS, uh, software as a service. And I remember reading a survey that at least every company has at least 86 or 80 plus SaaS applications that they are using um, just to run their businesses and to be uh, more efficient. So it's definitely 
uh, something that has gained a, a lot of attention lately and organizations and companies are actually utilizing SaaS platforms. Do you have any, any uh, recommendations or maybe even advice of someone who may be on the fence about trying out SaaS platforms or uh, maybe even moving workloads to the cloud? Uh, they're, they're on the fence about moving those workloads to the cloud. Are there any benef- benefits or, or does the benefits outweigh the, um, the negative aspect of moving uh, those workloads over to the cloud? Great topic. I, again, I think different organizations in different period of their uh, time of, of existing uh, would always have different answers. So initially starting with the cloud is amazing. You, you're very agile, start as a SaaS environment. The, it, it allows for more agility. The, the downside is that sometimes you're restricted to the cloud's secret sauce. So many environments would like to build their environment in their own fashion, and, and that would be their um, advantage, their competitive advantage. Um, obviously, some SaaS platforms cannot accommodate for that because they're um, rigid in, in what they can provide, right? So that's, that, that's a plus and a, a negative. Also, uh, there's the cost. So you might have started in a SaaS environment, uh, you proved the value, got the insights, you, you're able to repeat it. Uh, now on day two, uh, you really need to make that consideration. Does it make sense to continue with my SaaS environment or does it make sense to now move my entire environment to a more um, structured environment? Or in, I would say an old world environment, but sometimes that's the answer. Uh, the advice I would say to, I would give to anybody that is, is just starting this process is try to think about it uh, from day one. You don't have to get to a decision. Uh, If you're starting a startup and you need to prove value within half a year or a year, that's not the most important decision that you will be able to make. But having thought of that, even in the early days of 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 your company, would actually make your day two much faster. Because there's a quote I love, Months of doing saves you uh, hours of planning. So invest a few hours, days, thinking about your day two, day three implementation. And obviously, you should, if you do get to a clear, crisp decision of how how will you look or you want to look as an organization uh, down the road, make sure that all of the efforts that you're doing on day one also aligns with that. I'll give you an example. We see a lot of AI projects that are starting. Um, and we talked about the DevOps, DevOps aspect of that, of these projects. So DevOps uh, AI projects that are starting and they're being orchestrated for a day one operation for like local storage, for a small amount of compute, small amount of developers, maybe no job schedulers, but only like jump host or login hosts. And on day two, day three, suddenly the organization has uh, a larger initiative, multiple AI initiatives, 10, 20, 1,000 servers, we see that. Um, suddenly you need to completely uh, realign all of your DevOps, all of your organization around that growth. Uh, that's a massive effort. If you could have done that properly or in that direction from day one, it would, it would save your organization a lot of time and effort down the road. Okay, awesome. And, and also one, maybe one or two more questions and, and we'll, we'll start to wrap up. Um, there, there's also a, I see a lot of organizations and a lot of, um, I have conversations about uh, microservices and, you know, Kubernetes and containers. And um, I see a lot of individuals now 
building, you know, their their infrastructure, their virtual infrastructure by utilizing those those services. Do you see any any downside to to using microservices or is it all peaches and rainbows and unicorns? It's all peaches and rainbows and unicorns, of course. That's the, <laughs> it's, it's, it's technical, it's cool. How can you lose? There's a certain aspect of, of cutting edge to these environments. And, you know, going to these conferences and, and talking with people, I, I would say the promise there is amazing. Um, what, what we thought v, VMs were in the past suddenly... Uh, containerized environments are now taking it even to the next level. Uh, and, and you see companies like uh, VMware, for example, aligning behind it as well with their tons of... And even the cloud vendors that are offering VMs are now offering containerized environment. So clearly there's a thing there, there's value there. Um, the, the cutting edge aspect of it is that um, it's not always the right approach for everything. Uh, or, or maybe I would say you need a higher skill level in order to adapt to it. So you, you have an, if you have an organization that is only working in a certain way, certain algorithm flows, data structures, you, you now need to adapt to a containerized environment. It's more than just taking what you have, running in a containerized environment, and voila, uh, it's better. It's, it's, you need to change the entire way the organization uh, perceives the infrastructure and, and utilize and consume it. It's, it's a difficult effort, but I would say that eventually it's, it's worth it. And we see a lot of that. Definitely, by the way, if you're starting a new environment, a greenfield, it's easier and, and, it's, and, and people are doing it and there's a lot of value. But again, you need that higher skill level of, of managing all of that environment and enabling it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really all for containerized environment. Um, I will touch the data aspect of containerized environments because... I think that's that's a pain point in some aspects. So the promise of containerization is the agility, is moving around different platforms, not being tied to a specific compute server. I'm running on a compute, now jumping to another one. The, the one thing you want to think about is how will you move the data around if you need to. So I have a part of containers or a few part of containers running my, my workload. Suddenly, if the pod shifts between the worker nodes how do i how does the data move around with them does it move around in the same speed um so there's these considerations so you you want something that can solve that as well okay great advice there uh one more question uh as well and it's not a technical question so you, you don't have to worry about it you know being a technical question um just uh, let, let's say that you, you had an opportunity to travel back in time, uh, maybe in a time machine. Invest uh, in Apple. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> See, if you did that, you wouldn't be sitting before me now because you would already be rich, right? <laughs> Actually, I want to say that uh, uh, even being rich, I would have been here because technology is amazing and uh. that's my passion. Gotcha, gotcha. So you were asking a question. Yeah, but what what would you travel back in time to tell your 16-year-old self that maybe you didn't know when you were 16? What would you tell yourself now? Wow, I have so many answers to that. Just one. What What's the most important thing you would tell 16-year-old Shimon? Okay, I'm going to be counterintuitive here. Um, work harder and seek advice. Don't Don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. 
Uh, I think these are the two. Uh, you know, I, I can give you the 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 basic things: have fun, yada yada. Mm-hmm. Time is, but and that's all well. But 16 years old, Shimon wanted yeah. to succeed in life, wanted to have a meaningful life, uh, and enjoy them, and and working hard, but also seeking advice and and listening to that, and not just going your own way would have gone a long way. Okay. I, I love that. And wh- what are you reading these days? Any any interesting books, maybe book recommendations that you want to share with the Gumbo listeners? Definitely, definitely. So there's, uh, I don't know if you're not familiar with Andy Weir. Uh, he, he actually, he wrote The Martian. Okay. Um, there, there's a movie uh, about Russell. Yeah. So yeah, he, he wrote the book. The book is amazing. He just recently, uh, I read another book of him called Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Amazing! I would really recommend it. Uh, I also recently read another uh, business book called "The One Thing," ah, where they're yeah. talking about yeah. focus. And I, I, I wouldn't say it changed my life, but I would say it it allowed me, um, it gave me some focus. I'm, I'm often thinking about the recommendations you have there. And yes, I, I admit I'm not multitasking. I have to focus on one thing every time. So when talking with people, I, I turn off my phone, I, I, I look them in the eye and I focus on them. And I sometimes I see other people not doing that and it's annoying me, but that's another thing. <laughs> but that's another book. So Hail Mary, okay. one thing. And, and The Martian. The Martian. There's an, there's all of the, I don't know if you know, the Dana Ariely books, uh, Predictably Irrational. I've, I've heard, yeah. Amazing thinking, slow and fast. Okay, I've heard Amazing. of that one. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have a whole list of a recommendations. Lot. Yeah, one one book that I'm reading now is more on a personal level. It's called uh, Battle Cry: Win- Winning and Waging the War Within, and it's by a guy named Jason Wilson. Um, he has another book too that says, uh, "What is it?" It's Cry Like a Man. I'm going to Google that now. I'm Israeli, we don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) That's his first book, and his second book is Battle Cry. So I decided to read the second book first because it's like, cry like a man. No, I'm I'm reading the other book first. Uh, So it's a a really good book. He has a very powerful story, and and he's uh, he's changing lives of um, not only young men, uh, but I think also older men as well because being macho and masculine all the time you know, it's kind of a facade that no one can be that hard all the time. And that if you're a lion, lions sleep 20 hours a day. So you don't always get that that warrior, right? You have to reset back to the, the lamb. So that 20 hours where you're resting, you know, you don't have to put on a facade. So that's that's what I'm reading right now. And um, it's, it's a really great book. Um, one other thing... Before I let you go, uh, would you like to share any uh, social media, uh, maybe a Twitter uh, handle that you would like the Gumbo listeners to to follow? And if you don't have that, maybe follow you on LinkedIn. Definitely. So look me up, Shimon Ben David Weka in LinkedIn or Shimon BD in Twitter. Okay. Well, it has been awesome sharing this moment with you, and I, I truly appreciate your, your insights that, that you've brought uh, to the Gumbo listeners and also myself. I've learned a lot, and um, I just really uh, appreciate you coming on, on the show. So thank you again. Definitely. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.